Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there, and welcome to yet another edition of Lynn Cullen Still Alive. It is December 23rd in the god-awful year of 2020, which is limping toward its conclusion. And we've got a a guest today, and I'm so excited about this. I haven't talked to this guy in decades, I suspect. Um, well, what the hell? I'm not going to launch into a big to-do. Uh, without further ado, folks, the uh, former... Well, he's a former lot of things. Robert Bianco. We'll get to all those. Hi. Hello. I'm a present few things, too. But yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that's good to hear. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I didn't. I tweeted out that you were on the show, and I started to say former USA Today television critic. And I thought, oh, well, that it just makes you seem, you know, inconsequential. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I gave you the title emeritus. I have to tell you quickly, I, uh, after I retired, I went back to uh, the TCA press tour for a day just to say goodbye to friends. But I was standing out in the hall as all these, you know, power people are going around having all their conversations. And a good friend from Entertainment Weekly came up to me, hugged me and said, so how's it feel to be irrelevant? <laughs> see? See? <laughs> How does it feel? You seem... You seem very happy to be irrelevant. I, I am happily irrelevant. Yes, uh, in this, particularly in this mad year, the very idea of uh, having oh. to have done this job during this year, I'm, I'm happily you, out of it. Can you imagine? Well, all you'd have to do is look at me or my innards to see what it does. They have to, you know, pay attention and have something to say about what's been going on. Good God in heaven, Good Robert God, Bianco. Yeah. I have to tell. What's your middle name? I was sitting here thinking Robert Bianco, and I decided your middle name was James. I don't no. know why. What is it? Michael, after my grandfather. Okay, Robert Michael. And then I thought, did anyone ever call you Bob? Only people who don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> you could always tell it at, at these same kind of meetings that, you know, who, who knew me and who didn't, because my friends called me Robert and people coming up who didn't know me would call me Bob. <laughs> There's something to be said for somebody named Robert who insists on being called Robert. I mean, again... <laughs> There's... That's my mother. My my mother hated nicknames. So uh, in fact, my Good. brother my brother is just named Don, not Donald, because she didn't oh. want anyone calling him anything other than what she wanted. Oh, good for her. That is great. That is great. It's so absurd how people name their babies something and then don't call them that. Anyway, no need to rant about uh, something like that. So Robert Bianco is, um, I just have to tell you, I was thinking about your trajectory, your prof professional trajectory, and it's, it's very interesting. Here's a guy who bothered to go slog through the boredom of law school, get a law degree. Did you ever practice law? Six years. Oh, you That's did. Yeah, you practiced. The former Reed Smith, Sean McClay in Pittsburgh. Shoot, you got into that. Wouldn't that be called a white shoe firm? Um, well, it was certainly white. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about the shoe. <laughs> well, wow. So, what kind of law? Well, who cares? I don't care. What happened? So obviously, you didn't. I mean, how do you get from? Being a a young upcoming lawyer at one of the better law firms in uh, in town, and then become because here's the next thing I know he did become a restaurant critic for the local newspaper. Well, well, part of the impetus was that I was not particularly upcoming. <laughs> I was um, I was um, at one point I had uh, I was having a party and I had made a party tape as one does. And when Aretha Franklin singing Respect came on, um, I, my boss entered my office as I was dancing on my desk. 
And he said, you know, Robert, Reed Smith might not be the best fit for you. Oh, wow. There you go. There um, you so go. The quick answer is I, I, because I was more interested in going out than staying in at the law firm, I was asked to write a guide to restaurants that we could use for recruiting. And a friend of mine gave that guide to a friend at the Pittsburgh Press, and the press needed a restaurant critic, and they called me. So, oh, God. Are you a lucky guy? So you I go to the Pittsburgh, yeah, you go to the Pittsburgh Press, and all of a sudden you're a restaurant critic. Yeah. I mean, stop and think about this. You are a guy who's figured out somehow, managed, stumbled into making a living, a good living, eating free meals and 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 watching television. The second, yes, the the free the the first, um, the press paid me twenty five dollars a review. So. That Are was you not kidding? A, yeah, that was it. $25. So I don't know what that is in uh, in 2020 dollars, but I'm sure it's still not enough to live on. No. Uh, but I loved it. You know, that was the, the key for me quite seriously was I loved doing that so much that it made me think, why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I a lawyer when what I really want to do is write for the Pittsburgh Press? And uh, so I talked myself into the TV job when Barbara Holsopel, who you, I'm sure you remember, when she. God, yeah, God. Oh, I'm sure if she did. I, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but she once said something so disgusting about me. I can't even begin to, I can't even quite even remember it. <laughs> but she couldn't believe how awful I was when I first arrived on the scene. And she actually said parenthetically after Lynn Cullen, um, as far as anyone knows, she is not related to anyone in the management or something to that effect. God. <laughs> Do you believe that? Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, you, you, you fared much better under the next critic, as I remember. Was that you? I guess that was you. Yes, you took her job. Well, good. You you thought I was okay, generally, right? I liked you, as I remember, you did. pretty much. Yeah, that's good. What good taste you have. <laughs> so, I mean, how do you become a, you know, you just walk in. You must be a great bullshitter because, I mean, you know, what? so what were you able to say? Hey, you know, I'm a restaurant critic. I'm a TV critic. I'll critic anything you want me to critic. How, how could you? What well, gave you I mean, the some, sense you in, could do it? In, in some strange, <laughs> completely unreasonable way, having a law degree um, to management made up for my not having a journalism degree because they thought, well, he has a law degree, <laughs> so he must know something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and the two years spent working for them, you know, what you, <laughs> what I tell people who ask about like, well, back in the day when newspapers existed, um, what they really want, first of all, is someone who turns their copy in on time at the amount, you know, the space that they want it to fill and spelled correctly and punctuated correctly. You know, genius is nice and all those things, but first you have to be, they have to, they have to know that you will be able to fill the space for them that they have left empty for you. And I did that for two years. And that um, convinced the editor at the time, Angus McCarran, who is no longer oh, with us. No. Um, that um, when the TV job opened, that I could do it. I wasn't the first one. I was not the first one they offered the job to. Um, but the person they offered the job to turned it down, luckily for me. And there I was. So and, tell me, uh, do you know? Do, well, do you know what happened to the person who turned it down? Oh, I, great guy. Um, Mark Schwinn, who at the, at the time was at the UPI, and I think has um, passed away young. Oh. Very nice man. Oh, um, I wonder why he turned it down. With UPI, you, at that time, you know, UPI was a big thing. I don't think... I don't UPI, UPI, by the way, for guys who... Service, uh, Universal Press, what was it? Universal Press, Inc.? I don't know what it stood for. I International. I don't know what the I Do we know? <laughs> sort of like Associated Press or whatever. Right, exactly. It was yeah, a competitor yeah. to Associated Press that... As right. far as I know, if it still exists, it is no longer what it was. Um, so that was a big job, and he thought, "Why should I go to the Pitts Why should I go to the Pittsburgh Press and give up this job?" So, uh, did you ever work for the? Were you gone before this? No, the strike happened. You were still there, and yeah. then you you ended up work 
working for the, the Post Gazette the, for six years. Mm -hmm. The late great uh, Post Gazette. Yeah, and it was great then. Um, yeah. And you know, there are still. I always when people ask me about the Post Gazette, my first response is there are a lot of great people there still, um, doing their best under unimaginably tough circumstances. So, right. Um, God love them. But no, but when I was there. It was still um, the older Mr. Block and um, sensible management, and um, it was a it was a great place to work. Uh, a place that sent me to L.A. and let me live in L.A. for three years. So I have nothing but good thoughts about them. I don't remember that. They let you live in L.A.? Yes, a luckiest man on earth. Yeah, from 95 to 98, I covered Pittsburgh from Los Angeles. How in the hell did you manage that? Well, well, no. Are you kidding? So you got to, well, watch television. and Well, then you couldn't do local television no. criticism. No, I, I don't know if you remember, but I um, when I was at the press, I started this thing called Eye on the News, which was a weekly, a weekly review of the local news, which, to be honest, is one of the things I'm most proud of because I think that local television news is incredibly an incredibly important and undercovered beat. Um, yes. But that was every week for nine years. Um, in those days, of course, it was videotaped, so taping all the newscasts and then going back and watching all the newscasts. I just reached a point where I said, like, I, like, God love it. I can't do this anymore. I need a break. And, and to be honest, since we're being honest with each other, um, the strike left me um, with harder feelings towards Pittsburgh than I had expected because I loved Pittsburgh, but I loved the Pittsburgh press and, and always will. And the city's reaction uh, to the strike, um, uh, siding with the Teamsters over the newspaper, just it, it kind of severed some of the affection I had at the time. Now, of course, bygones, bygones, love Pittsburgh, all that. But at the time, I thought, it's time for me to look for someplace else. So once you're in L.A., then you're covering, you know, the big shots. Right. Um, although I, I would not, you know, I, I thought Joe Rubito was a big shot. I wouldn't, I wouldn't disqualify <laughs> Joe. Um, I got news uh, for you. Is that not? I mean, what do you mean? You covered um, like the studios yeah. and the, the, yeah. I, you know, well, here's the thing. Yes. And it was immensely helpful to get the USA Today job those three years in, in LA talking to the studio heads and, um, the people who run the studios. But in some ways, I always thought, um, you know, people like Bill Burns and Patty Burns yeah. um, probably have more concentrated, had more concentrated power um, mm -hmm. than anyone in Los Angeles with their, you know, dispersed power over the nation. Um, the mm -hmm. ability to move things in Pittsburgh were, you know, that's, that's what local news does. So used to did. do. Yeah, used to, used to do. Programming. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, but I had a great time in Los Angeles, and it was, uh, Did you, it was like an education into television, I, how television works. Yeah, was it like uh, watching legislation get made? Was it like sausage making? Um, yes, uh, mm -hmm. but it was also a reminder, like, you know, like that, that Barbara Holsoffel comment about you. Um, it's a reminder that we're not writing about inanimate objects. <laughs> yes, yes. That there are people involved, and most yeah. of them, like a lot of them, let's say most of them are, you know, trying their best, and uh, you know they're not sending out to produce crap. Some do, but most don't. And um, I always, I always felt that um, that people who are making an effort to create art or deliver news effort deserved at least the respect for their efforts. Um, are you perhaps. saying, wait a minute, are you saying that the people who are producing news are not the enemy of the people? Not most of them. There are a few these days. Who <laughs> I, I, well, I think, wait, yeah. Robert, I got I to gotta interrupt you because this is the question I really want to ask you. Did you ever meet and interview the true enemy of the people, the true enemy of of American democracy, and that would be Mr. Ailes. 
Um, yes, I never interviewed. <clears throat> I never interviewed him, but um, yes, I did. I did meet him once, um, but just in passing. I also, you know, interviewed our our current president. Um, you are so, kidding. When he was well, on the well, because of Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah, well, the yeah, the Apprentice, the regular Apprentice. I even have like oh, a, I even had a, a voicemail from him, which I wish now I had saved because. I... <laughs> God, and okay, without embellishment, really, what was your sense of him? Um, well, I will just the TV press far more far earlier than the Washington press knew that he was a knew that he was a, a inveterate liar. Um, yeah. We would, you know, the way the TV press worked back then, like twice a year, we would gather in Los Angeles and the networks would bring out their news stars and celebrities. Um, and the way those things would invariably go is, you know, Donald Trump would come out, he'd do an apprentice thing. He'd talk about how it's the highest rated show ever. And <laughs> Joe Adalian, God bless him, who at the time was now at, oh gosh, um, Variety, not variety. Anyway, at the time he was at the New York Post, and it, he invariably he'd raise his hand and say, like, Mr. Trump, that's not true. <laughs> You're not the highest rated show. That's not true. We have the numbers right here. But it didn't stop him from the next time saying, this is the highest rated show, and Joe saying, that's not true. <laughs> so, God help us. God help us. Well, television created him and this persona that then yeah. he was able, yeah. So, you know, it struck me that, that that supposedly is that under the genre reality TV. The yeah. okay, reality TV has been the scourge, I think, of uh, of, of America because, of course, reality it is anything but reality. Yeah. So it's a misnomer. I mean, a total misnomer. But yeah. most credulous um, and uh, God. And and relatively um, uneducated, I think, in in ways of media, people really do see it as some as a kind of reality. So how difficult is it to get from Donald Trump, you know, a mega mega businessman reality, to to the selling the idea of him as this uh, you know great president? This is what gave us him that show. Yeah. I've I've never been I've never been a particular fond of I've never been a fan of the genre though I would separate out like like American Idol type contests which yeah. I think can be you know fun and harmless versus um, the other forms of of reality television which I think have had a uh, incredibly detrimental effect of affecting empathy uh, in the yeah. way that reality TV encourages people to show their worst self and then revel in it, but and then be rewarded for it. It yeah. is the ultimate. It's what you. We wonder why we've come to what we are. Right? You're they're rewarded for for uh, stabbing people in the back for for um, yeah. I, it, yeah. It's unbelievable. And the most damaging part, in many ways, is. You know, sometimes like um, I think people like us will say, well, oh, my God, how can people be that gullible? Um, I will watch. So I'll watch a reality TV show. I'll turn it on. Um, I know all these things. I know all the tricks. I know what editing does. I know selective editing. Right. And someone will do something. And I'll say, God, what a horrible person. You know, me. And then I have to say, even you. Well, right. But right. That is what we're being shown at this moment. And it may be exactly what that person was encouraged to do. Um, but that those all those intellectual barriers you know drop almost immediately and you watch it and you think god that person's horrible so it, well if you who are imagine. obviously uh literate regarding media um can you know fall into the trap one can only imagine uh and we have such an ill media illiterate um population and it's had a really bad effect on our country, our yeah. soul. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, from years in TV news, like how easy it, how easy it is to manipulate manipulate images and stories. Um, yeah. And you didn't do that because you, in general, had like well because you wouldn't, but and you had people above you watching and saying, no, we don't do that. 
I actually took journalism seriously, and I knew there was an ethic involved. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not a nasty person. But oh, what you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things TV news did is when I started in TV news and I put a story together, I might have a talking head actually talk for 30 seconds. Because it took that long to explain something. By the time I left, I mean, if you didn't have that talking head down to what? Eight seconds at the most. It was, you know, unacceptable. So that constriction of uh, of the ability of anyone you're interviewing to really get what they're saying out to explain something was just is gone by virtue of I don't know. What do you think? Chicken or egg? Television news felt that their audience was uh, not the brightest. And so they dumbed down their, I mean, I was literally told I had to write at a fifth grade level at one point. Okay, so who dumbed who down? We start, you know, shorter, uh, quicker stories, shorter news bites, uh, sound bites. And then all of a sudden we find out that the American public has the attention span of a, you know, of a green plant. And doesn't know much of anything. We dumb them down. It's, yeah. Um, Do I you mean, think? I think that we, I, you know, just speaking for my own industry, I think we underestimated um, the audience out there for more literate coverage. Um, I think there is there there are people out there who you know there is a middle ground. Um, you know, I'm not saying that everything has to be the you know the National Review or something, but um, we could have. Well, I used to say at USA Today when someone say, "Well, they won't understand that," I'd say, "Then they'll look it up." You yeah, know? can you imagine? It, it is possible to encourage. I think there is so that's. I think there's a mid ground where you can speak to people. Um, as, expect a certain level of intelligence and expect people who are right below that to come up to it. I don't know. Does that sound horrible yeah. and pretentious? And Well, no, but I mean, I really think, uh, I don't know. And the other, the commingling during my tenure in television, uh, the continuing commingling of news with entertainment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, And actually, I was part of the entertainment aspect. I was the, you know, leave them laughing thing often at the end. I I didn't do a lot. I mean, I did this misspelling thing. What was that about news? I mean, I was into the entertainment part, Um, but was clearly entertainment, I think. Um, But the same, all those tricks that are used to hold an audience and to... Flim flam them, I think. I, I don't know. I just, I find, I don't watch news anymore. Do you, you do? Um, I read more than I watch. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, when, at the risk of our sounding like cranky old people, but hell, I'm a cranky old person. I am um, too. The, I also think what happened, what, one of the great shames is the evolution of 24-hour cable news that basically went from covering, like doing repetitive newscasts to doing talk shows, putting reporters on those talk shows to talk. And I think that is a, that was a great mistake because it has eroded trust in the um, reporters, yes, objectivity. I I have a great, yeah, yeah. I, 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 once you make, once you make the reporters used to be faceless, and used to be, you know, you just, you, I don't even know if you looked at a byline, but all of a sudden they became celebrities. Yeah. And they became entertainers. Yeah. And they became, yeah, the stars of te- television stars as well. And that helped, I'm sure, breed a lot of mistrust of yeah. their work. And there, there are some. There are some of them uh, who I know who work at newspapers where you look and think, when do you actually work? 
<laughs> if you're on TV 10 hours a day, when are you actually doing the job that supposedly you became famous doing? I don't I've it. wondered that. I've wondered that, too. Well, don't they get paid more probably for the television work? Well, they they don't get a lot of them don't get you know how it works. Like if you're a regular on a TV news show, you're getting paid. A lot of them are just doing constant guest spots where they're not getting paid, but they're promoting what we now call a newspaper, promoting the brand, um, and they become stars and names, and um, usually often more powerful than the editors who are supposedly supervising them, and they do what they want. Well, I know at the local level, reporters are under incredible pressure to uh, be on social media constantly. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah, takes I, away yeah. from their ability to do their job. Yeah. I, uh, I was very late to social media. I was very late to branding. Um, perhaps to my, it would have been to my detriment if I had wanted to do anything after USA Today. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I was quite content being USA Today's TV critic. I did not create a personal brand. I refused almost all requests to go on television. Um, one, because it took time that I didn't want to spend. And two, because I thought that just what we had said about news, that I'm a TV critic. If people begin to think that I work for TV, then they no longer trust what I say about that network. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I was... I was in a luxurious position where I could get away with that in ways that um, critics today can't. You can't exist today if you don't if you don't support an individual brand because there aren't enough employers uh, to take care of you otherwise. Have you paid any attention to um, the? I, what made me think about it is uh, reporters doing social media. Uh, the saga of Wendy Bell. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Are you up to date on it? I mean, you know, where, uh, yeah, that she's, you know, burned another she, bridge and KDKA yeah. radio took, yeah, took her up. Yeah. But she has a huge social media audience. Yeah. Huge. Now, uh, so, you know, in some ways she has been rewarded and others, like, does that, does that equate to the salary she had been making when she was on TV? Uh, I don't know if she's monetized her. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. But she's also clearly, she is big enough and known enough on a national scale that when KD knocked her off, I saw one of the tweet, one of the persons who tweeted, thank God she's gone was a person, granted, somewhat fringe, but who I'd watched on the Democratic presidential debates, Marianne Williamson. Oh, God. (laughs) Why the hell would Marianne Williamson know Wendy Bell and be glad she was out of a job? Yeah. Or care. Yeah. Or care. So Ms. Bell, methinks, uh, knows how to brand. And I don't know, she's probably still trying for a job. If she pops up on, you know, Newsmax, you'll, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I also think like, thank God that, um, thank God social media and all that was not strong when I was starting and I was able to make thousands of mistakes um, getting started that, that, (laughs) that no one saw except local news people who rolled their eyes. Yeah. So um, well, it's a what, hard world out there. It's awful. It's it's just awful. So I think network television news, I don't watch it much, but when I do, it, it looks to me like local news used to look. It, 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 it looks, they do a few like heavy stories at the beginning, and then they do these bullshitty and often sort of uh, – you know, there's always a feel-good story, and then, but there's not. They've got a half hour, not even a half hour. You take the commercials out. What do they have? Twenty, twenty some minutes, and that is where some people get their news. What are they getting? Um, I mean, well, at least they're getting, 
they're getting a straightforward recap in the early part of the day's main event. And more people are watching those, by the way, combined than watch the cable shows. Really? We always talk okay. about like the power of Fox, the power of Newsmax. It's amplified partly by, <laughs> by people like us who hear, don't see, you know, I don't see what's happening on Fox, but I hear, I read someone else complaining about it. And I share that complaint, and it amplifies, you know, the the whole uh, the whole voice box we have. Um, but you know, let's let's look on some of the bright sides. Uh, look at the massive boom in circulation of the New York Times, thanks to and the Washington um, Post now, and, and the, the Washington Post. Post. Yes, thanks to uh, the internet, which of course destroyed the papers like the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. So yeah, so it's, it's I don't know if it's a good, good thing. Yeah, it's not a good thing. So you've got these two behemoths newspapers that have, you know, grown and grown while all the locals are dying. And that's more injurious to our democracy than anything. Right, but that's not, that isn't the New York Times fault or the Washington Post fault. Um, we We would be a very healthy news country if like, you know, let the, the New York Times should get as big as it can get and hire as many people as it gets can and and cover the nation and, you know, do kinds of big investigations local papers can't. What we have to do is find a way to support local news because the New York Times is not going to cover Pittsburgh City Council. Um, no. And local TV is not, you know, they're not going to, they don't have the people, the resources to send a person to like sit in every council meeting. And these days, neither does the, you know, the post paper. that all papers no. struggle to do that. They don't have the staff right. they used to have. Um, we need to find, you know, people need to decide that is important and then find a way to do it, which they will. I, are I, you kidding? I'm, you you still have such faith that people are going to figure out that it's important? I think that, um, I think we're in transition. The news industry that I, just the newspaper industry that I knew and I loved is dead. Um, it's yeah, flailing around like it, but it doesn't. It doesn't exist in the way that I knew it. Um, right. So if I were forty or fifty and working at a newspaper, I would be like terrified about yeah. the future and what's going to happen. But if I were twenty-five, I would think that you know someone is going to figure this out. Someone will figure out uh, that there is a way to remind people that they that they need this as they used to. And they will create a product that people want and need and will find a way to pay for it. I really believe that's true. Oh, In God, the same I way that, you're... like, you know, like Al Neuwirth just realized that there was a, a place for USA Today back in mm -hmm. the 80s and created a product that I think in its time served a very valuable purpose. And Although at the, time, I, I, at the time, I recall uh, folks, including me, decrying USA Today as yeah. like a newspaper that's masquerade. I mean, that's essentially uh, a television uh, with its, you know, short little tight articles, not telling anybody enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. And okay. it's in trouble now. It looks like it's in trouble too. Is it in trouble? Well, it's, it's, um, it's purpose has been, it was overtaken by the internet because what USA yeah. Today did brilliantly was realize that, you know, when you're in Pittsburgh, you don't need USA Today if you're very interested in Pittsburgh. But what about if you're visiting in Los Angeles and now right. like you want to know something about Pittsburgh and you want to know about the nation? It was made for business travelers. That was travelers, the market. Right. Right. And, um, and the, as we expanded and began to make a lot of money, then they put a lot of money into covering the arts and covering um, news and um, there was a, you know there was a bright shining moment when USA Today was a uh, great newspaper and I was very proud to be there. It did it knew what it was, it knew what it was supposed to do, and it did it well. And it now when it. you okay Robert, when you were at USA Today, were you were in where? Where were you living? New York or DC? LA headquarters D in DC. What D DC? Yeah, that's where we're that's where we're still headquartered. Uh, I did not Tyson's realize. Florida, Virginia now, but yes, D.C. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is where I am now, and I love D.C. You're in D.C. now, but I you am. live in Ohio, I thought. No, that's where my family's from. I mean, my oh, family okay. is still in Ohio. 
uh, near okay. uh, Steubenville, Ohio. Yay! Edward M. Stanton, Lincoln Secretary of War. <laughs> <laughs> Who's buried like a block from me here in D.C. So uh, there's a connection. Oh, that's so weird. He's like haunting <laughs> you or something. Every, um, my my husband Jeff like does it every time we drive past the cemetery. I have to say hello, Ed. <laughs> wow. Well, okay. So what? What are you? What is the news media? I mean, I watched as the cable news and and the uh, network news tried to figure out how to cover this president Yeah. because all the old, I mean, he was blowing up everything and they were still covering him like he was a normal president. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't even believe that they kept sending uh, reporters to the so-called press conferences, White House, uh, you know, press conferences. I, I, when they still haven't figured it out and you know what they're going to still cover him when he's gone because he's irresistible to them yeah it was it was the worst of two worlds the old world of well he is the president and we cover him and we try to be objective and we don't know that he's lying because lying is a you know lying requires saying someone lies requires that we know they know they're lying and maybe he doesn't, you know, all that kind of crap. Oh, um, you know, they're kind of like unbiased news coverage they were trying to do, um, coupled with the modern um, people are clicking on this. Well, then <laughs> let's do it again. That's right. Um, and and what's going to win think, out? What won out? The yeah. money, the people yeah. clicking one. But I think, as you know, like the, the harder part for the news was we are used to you know, someone makes a misstatement, let's say, and the news says, no, that's not true. Here are the facts. And that stops it. And the person doesn't make the same misstatement again, because it's now been made clear that here are the facts. We were not oh. ready for someone who just did it again every day. And the news is not good at, has never been good at repetitive events. No, they get it's bored and moved on. Yeah, exactly. they move on. Yeah. And, oh, my God. Well, what? Okay, so do you really think because he's such a you know constant uh, train wreck, um, they're they're still going to keep him alive? The I would not say no. Um, I would just I would just remind you that he is um, um, he is an entertainer. And like yes. all big entertainers, um, if they don't know how to tweak their act, people grow bored. Well, the act you know, is like, getting a little, but I mean, I'm not the audience, but the, yeah, it seems like it's a little boring. Yeah. I think that repetitive. You know, at, at a certain point, um, you know, at one point, uh, The Apprentice was uh, the highest, one of the highest rated <laughs> reality shows, uh, and then it wasn't. You know, yeah. People grew bored with the act, and it sank and got canceled. Um, what are the odds that he either launches another network, or Fox gets outflanked on its right by Newsmax or that other ridiculous one, or somebody else? What are the odds that that actually can take hold? Um, I, I think it is more, I think the more likely possibility would be him teaming with um, Newsmax or own, yeah. say it as own, OA, however they say it. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Rather than like going through the putting money of his own into starting something. Um, money of his own? The guy doesn't have yeah. any money. Well, there's the, the, the constant flow of money that comes from his supporters. <laughs> no, I, I don't think he's, I don't think there's, um, I don't think he's risking his own money in show business, including the money he's getting from other people. My, that's, you know, who knows? The, yeah. who, who could have, from day to day, who could have guessed what, what, what's yeah, happening? So heaven only knows. You know. God almighty. I mean, the next 30 days are going to be, Oh, well, you don't have to think about this stuff. You lucky thing. You've been too I lucky. Do. I have been too lucky. 
Um, I have been very lucky. Are, I, uh, are you doing anything now? I mean, as a to be gainfully employed? Um, no, though I have one very proud moment to share, um, and that I wrote the liner notes for the um, Fred Rogers compilation CD, which is now Grammy nominated. Um, oh, how wonderful! And that was, you know, just being able to a reminder of the privileges I've had in this business, which was to become um, friends with Fred Rogers, who oh, oh, one of the greatest human beings I've ever. Yeah, a saint among us. Yeah. So to be able to write those liner notes for the CD, that's uh, oh, that was oh, a, how a, that wonderful. Was great fun. But otherwise, how I, I, uh, <laughs> I left the business because I felt that I had done what I wanted to do and said what I wanted to say, and it was time to. Um, USA Today was moving in another direction. Um, the the target was less business, um, or at least the entertainment section was less business travelers and more um, young female. Um, and hmm. that was great. Like, I, you know, not that I, I always felt like, well, why wouldn't young females read me? I'm wonderful. But, um, <laughs> but it did feel, you know, like the time had come to like, like let a younger, let another, let another voice be heard. Someone who was more attuned to the streaming world than I was. Um, um, Kelly Lawler, who's there now, is a, a wonderful, bright um, young woman who, and I don't mean to say that, like, quickly, I, I don't mean to say that like, or she has this job because she's a young woman and they want young women. No, she has this job because she's like a good writer and a good critic. And um, um, I it, am very happy to have her there and wish her and them the best. It just was, it was no longer my uh -huh. place. Well, you sure seem to have a knack for knowing when the hell to move on to something else. So when did you get married, for God's sakes? Uh, 2013. And that was part of the impetus was, uh, as you know, you know, I, I, I think anyway, like to be a good TV critic, you have to watch a lot of TV, which yeah. takes a lot of hours. And I was happy to do that for almost all of my career. But um, after I got married and... Um, there were other interests. I didn't want to spend every night of the week watching television and, and um, telling Jeff to hush because <laughs> I was concentrating. <laughs> so, uh, and he didn't want to be hushed. Straight no, I'm sure day. not. <laughs> I can't imagine that how much television you had to watch over your lifetime. And it is amazing that it didn't do like serious damage to you. <laughs> A lot, but you know, gosh, what they have to watch now. Um, you know, the explosion <laughs> of, you know, the streaming, which at, in oh, just the while stuff, I was though. there. The best two, stuff, though, is not television creating some of the best stuff? Yes, it yes. is. Yes. Um, but it is, it's harder to find, and it's more <laughs> right. to watch. And, yes. it's, and it's frustrating that, um, you know, you know, when if Ted Lasso, which I loved, I loved Ted Lasso, if that had been a network series, then I could have told you like, all right, 8 p.m. on Tuesday, Ted Lasso, don't miss it. And then I don't, even, I never I heard could, of it. What is it? You Ted, don't Lasso? Know Ted Lasso. Oh my goodness, Lynn, you, right, you have to read. It is on um, Apple, Apple Plus. You know, I don't know that I have Apple Plus. It is worth. It's worth subscribing. It's worth paying for a month of Apple Plus to watch Ted Lasso with Jason Sudeikis, um, this incredibly funny, sweet, uplifting, just what you need right now series about uh, an American football coach who takes over a soccer team in, in England. Oh, I've read about, about it. Soccer, I've read about, about it. Yeah. Motivating people. Okay. Um, smart, sweet. Um, oh. Hilarious. No, to anyone out there, if you need a, if you need an, you know, uplifting this Christmas, like I would combine, you know, Ted Lasso with a Schitt's Creek rewatch and <laughs> you will make it through to January 20. Schitt's Creek, I, I, I wearied of eventually, but, but it's wonderful. Do you know what I'm doing now? I mean, I never watch much of anything, but I'm getting a kick out of Grace and Frankie. Okay. Did you ever watch any of that? 
I did because that premiered while I was still working. Um, it wasn't um, Not it wasn't sleep. my favorite. Yeah. But um, and see, I was the opposite on Schitt's Creek. I was not a big fan at the beginning um, and then got deep into it. <laughs> so Grace and Frankie, I watch and it, I, I, it reminds me of if somebody did a show on me and Sally Wigan. <laughs> well, see, there's, there's always personal connection. <laughs> yes, there is. I mean, I keep thinking, oh, my God, it's like us. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. It was, it, it was strange to be watching, you know, like Sally retiring and now Peggy Finnegan, who who started yeah. while I was while I was in Pittsburgh. So it, passing. How did that happen? How did that happen? So I guess the only people who are still on local TV that you, uh, David Johnson, Ken yeah. Rice. Yeah. Stacy, um, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't watch it. Um, I, it's all. It all seems like it's. Um, do you know when it snowed the other day? It was the first big snow. Of the, I they did literally acted as if an atom bomb had gone off in Jeanette or something, and they had. They started with. Uh, a Zoom-like screen showing all their reporters in little boxes. We have this covered. Everybody is, in, everybody is. And then they went from one to the other. And then there's one reporter standing in the snow saying, here in, yeah, here in God knows where, blah, blah, blah. It's snowing. And then it's, and then on to the next and on to the next. And I just, I found myself screaming, screaming at the absurdity of it. Well, I, I fear what has really been what's really been lost from the local coverage are things like Pittsburgh's talking, right? Um, it's there aren't a lot of locally produced um, hour-long um, shows that allow for some more in-depth. Um, yeah, I'm not aware of any. Yeah. yeah, I mean, those, I'm not aware. Remember, you know, PAE had Pittsburgh's talking. Um, KDKA had um, what was you know. Their noon show, what did they have? They had like Good Morning Pittsburgh and... Do you think I know? I don't know. Well, <laughs> every, it used <laughs> to be it used to be that much of the day was taken up by locally produced programming. Um, and that but they still do like a two-hour news block from four, you know, four to God knows where with just the same crapola. Well, yeah, but as, even, when, even when I was there back in the dark ages... Um, and when I was doing that, like daily coverage of the news, um, yeah, it was like 90 minutes of news, but four stories <laughs> repeated in each one. <laughs> That's exactly. And, so and one of them was about, day. I know, but one of them was a water main break. Who gives a shit? Jesus. <laughs> well, well, the people next to the water main break. Yeah, right. And that's about it. I I don't know. I don't know. Man, am I glad talk radio came along and plucked me out. I I, I really enjoyed it. I was like you and that I was lucky to, you know, get myself into something that was a much better fit yeah. and that I enjoyed more. Yeah. And look what happened to that. Jesus. Yeah. So, but I don't come. Is, I'm, 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 I'm heading into 2021 with unbridled optimism. Give me You're that. Out your <laughs> You're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. No, uh, a, a temporary lull in the world that we will rebound from. Oh wow, you really feel that way. Isn't that wonderful? I have people who who email me who feel that way, and I think you're all delusional. I really do. I really do. Well, either that or like my safe little um, liberal urban bubble here in D.C. will um, survive and we will fend off attacks from the. With what, <laughs> your AK-47s? I mean, they got the guns. I don't know. Hey, so tell us some other things. What do you think? I'm going back to your television critic. Yes. Days. What do you think were the greatest, some of the greatest shows ever during your tenure? I um, hated all sitcoms myself, so I don't, first of all, do sitcoms because I never watched them. Oh, I think Frasier. Uh, during right. my tenure, I mean, I, I love Mary Tyler Moore. 
but that okay. was um that was before yeah, me. Um, I understand that was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved Frasier. Uh, gosh, I have to think like because things tend to blend into one. Um, you know, I I was there for the Cosby Show, and <laughs> even though. You know, even the the shame in that is that great work by all those other people, including Felicia Rashad, who's one of our best actors, um, all the writers, all gone now because of him, because it can't be seen. But, you know, that was an important program. Is that true? Nobody's showing it? No, no. Not that I know of. I mean, in this streaming world, maybe it is somewhere. Um Maybe Trump well, um, will pardon him, and and then we'll um, be able to see it again. Yeah, that it was a good it. show, though. Yeah. Uh, it was a good Fine, show. You know, Seinfeld, which was you know brilliant in its yeah. own way. Um, I think between, I'd say the best sitcoms of my period were um, Frasier, Seinfeld, and Modern Family. You know, those three together. Yes. Okay. All right. What about dramatic um, shows? Oh, I think I think The Wire remains to my mind, the best ever, uh, best single drama ever made. Yeah, ever. Uh, there are a lot of great ones, you know, The Sopranos, West Wing, Breaking Bad, um, a lot of shows that have come along. But um, in terms the of the acting quality and the writing and the the effort to actually tell a five year story about what has happened to America's urban centers, I just yeah. thought it was. It was like, a, like it. It was. It was like God, documentary. It was, yeah. it was, its brilliance is beyond, beyond, very hard to watch, very hard to watch. And, and just so brilliant. And so here's one people may not know as well. If, if the wire is, if the wire is too much of a commitment before the wire, uh, David Simon did a mini series called the corner. With yes. Candy Alexander which mm-hmm. is kind of in some ways the wire in miniature. Um, not exactly, of course, but like it, it's still, you know, that is another show that reverberates for me in, in memory. Hey, you've got to, do you by any chance, I know you're on Twitter. Do you by any chance um, follow Simon, David Simon? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Guys, if you don't know, he is, you would never want to get on this guy's bad side. He is, God, brutal. Yes. Um, yeah. And imperturbable. Like, you <laughs> cannot, like, if, you know, do, do not write to him saying, gosh, I really admire you as a writer, but you seem to be a little profane here. Because. <laughs> <laughs> He'll come at you. Oh, yeah. my God. You will be sorry. Oh my God! I can't. I, I so look forward to whatever he's he's writing. He's just incredible. Um, yeah. Do you know I never watched The Sopranos? Should I do that in my in my uh, pandemic uh, isolation? Finally, well, um, will it hold up? Maybe not. Yeah, it will hold up. One of the things about like now that we have like fifty five thousand options, um, The Sopranos is a brilliant work of TV art. It is not a show that I particularly cared for because mm-hmm. I don't, I've never been a fan of like mafia shows, gangster shows. I just don't, I don't care about those people. Um, I'm not interested in that world. Is that uh, so because of a, your Italian heritage? Um, it might be in part, um, mm-hmm. but whatever it is, uh, it isn't, it isn't a show for me. And um, as I, used to tell people who would say like, oh, I don't really like this. Do I have to keep watching it? Like, no, it's not the cure for cancer. In the <laughs> end, it's, it's entertainment. If you're not, if you're not enjoying it, like watch something else. Well, you're right. It's hard to even know. There is so much. And, and I don't even, I don't even know what I've subscribed to. I don't know what I have available. I will uh, say though, like you should, you should try The Sopranos just, even if you end up not liking it, to be exposed to, you know, James Gandolfini and um, that oh, cast, yeah. Didi Falco, yeah. um, just to watch them for a while and, like, you know, revel in the acting, even if in the end, like, the story you think, well, I don't want to continue with this. But yeah. um, I always think there's some virtue in seeing people who really, <laughs> who 
who really know what they're doing and do it well and just kind of bask in that for a while. Hey, Keith has written in and said the Cosby show is on TV, is on TV one, whatever that is. You never say these days, you never say something is unavailable because everything is somewhere. Of course. It's on TV one at eight and eight thirty in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) But the answer is, as you know, you may remember when like the Cosby show went into syndication, it just, it set records for sales. And there was a time there when it was like everywhere. And uh, that time has passed. Oh yeah. That time has passed. It's, it's mind blowing. God, all the stuff that's happened in the last, whatever, 30, 40 years. (laughs) Unbelievable. So any other recommendations about what people should be watching? Hey, I watched Ma Rainey's Black Bottom the other day. Have you watched that? I did. Isn't, you know, just another when you talk about actors who know what they're doing and how how hard was it to watch if those speeches out like, God, come oh, and take me. Like, oh, I God. know. I could, how It was unbearable. But yeah. how? We're, but we're talking about Chadwick Boseman. Uh, but can you imagine he, as an actor, dying? Yeah. Uh, the, the man dying as an actor doing those, those, those lines. Yeah. And oh, uh, the Pittsburgh Connection, the great August Wilson. Oh, and the great August Wilson. That is just amazing. It is one of his plays that I had never seen. Wow. Wow. It's almost like instead, they should just have August Wilson plays. Everybody needs to watch them and to get a sense of this is the history of black people in America. This is what being black in America is. Well, you know, they're doing that. They're filming the cycle. I, this is Denzel Washington's work, right? Yeah, they're, I, I don't know if he's behind all of them, but I think but he produced are, this one. Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah, they are. They will be filming um, the, you know, what, you know, this, however you, whether you call it the century cycle or the Pittsburgh cycle. Right. Um, um, and, you know, I just can't wait for Jitney because that is my, my Is that your one. favorite, Jitney? I, I love Jitney. I remember uh, when I, I came when I came to Pittsburgh and somebody said something about a jitney and I thought I didn't have a clue what they were talking about. Yeah. Well, when I moved to Pittsburgh, like I turned to a friend and said, like, you know, like the you know, the black people in the city are are, are so friendly and that like, you know, I see these cars all the time, like they're stopping and picking them up. You know, people <laughs> and, and said, like, those are jitneys, you moron. <laughs> and then you find people out people sharing rides. Yeah, and then you find out, of course, the reality of why there yeah. had to be jitneys, and it's, of course, Pittsburgh racism. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that the first major ambulance service started in the Hill, and it was all black, and then the city took it over, and all those black people lost their jobs, and they put white people in? That's a little fact I learned some in the last few months. I'm serious. Okay. The, yeah. Have you ever seen a Wiley Avenue days? Yes. And that's, I think that's, um, you know, we're talking about Rick Seaback now who um, did a series of, of um, films, documentary films about uh, Pittsburgh for WQED back when WQED was a, a series. Day. He's done like okay. 700 million. Yes. But the, but as well, never mind. This one is a great one. If you haven't, I tell anyone in Pittsburgh, if you haven't seen Wiley Avenue Days, um, I think it's one of the best. Hmm. I think it, it lays out um, both the, how to say this, like it's um, that, that desegregation um, yeah, also I, had a negative impact on, on black, the black community. Yes. Because it, it shows how segregate. Yeah. That's right. Segregation meant that black people created their own wondrous, thriving community. They had stores and shops and bars and restaurants and everything. And yeah, right. Now that's 
neither Lynn or I, this is not an argument in favor of segregation. Um, it's just saying that, like, yeah, I mean, in the ideal world, um, Wild yeah. Avenue wouldn't have been necessary because blacks and whites would have been living together everywhere. Right, right. Um, this course. is just that because this community was forced to be together, it did create a, a healthy community. And when, um, when the middle class left, um, we, the, the black lower class was then stranded in these neighborhoods and, and deserted. So and then the city all. finished it up by bulldozing half of the place. Yes. yes. Yeah. So uh, anyway, a great documentary and other things to watch now. Um, if you haven't like on the lighter side, if, if you haven't seen Netflix's The Prom. Really? The Meryl Streep musical. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really? Uh, enjoyable. It's. Um, <laughs> I, love James, of, I yeah. love James Corden. I love James Corden. Um, as a fan of Broadway musicals, I'd say think like, you know, this is on the, this is like the, the pajama game, damn Yankees level of musicals, uh -huh. not Hamilton or Oklahoma. It's not a great <laughs> musical, but entertaining and a great cast yeah. and a nice message. Um, and yeah, those are you know, the things I'm watching. Ted Lasso. Uh, oh, did you watch Unorthodox? Oh, I, unbelievable. Yeah. And then after Unorthodox, I watched this show from Israel that stars her as well, and it's called Stitzel, and hmm. it is amazing. It's even better, and it's also about the Orthodox uh, community, and it is mind-blowingly good. Now, see, you've just hit upon one of the other reasons I retired. Because whenever I would tell someone, so like, have you watched Unorthodox? They would say, yes, but have you seen this show from Uzbekistan in the original? <laughs> oh, for the love of God. No, I haven't. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Watch Stitzel. You'll love it. I will. But Unorthodox is um, brilliant. You know, in Like the Wire, those are, that's TV opening a world to you yeah. that you may not know existed. Cause yeah. The stuff in Unorthodox was like almost all new to me. Well, even as a Jew, I watched it with my mouth hanging open. Yeah. yeah. That's not a world I know either. Yeah. Uh, but also, um, you know, I hate that this world gets entertaining. It is not, um, Unorthodox is not a task. Um, there are some shows that people say, oh, you must watch. And you think, oh, this is like, like going to the dentist. Um, unorthodox isn't like that. I thought. I thought it was. It was right. incredibly involving and suspenseful and and interesting. Yeah. And yes, and yeah. you cared about the people. She is an Israeli actress, and I am telling you, Stitzel. All right, I will put it down Stop. on my list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'd love it. You'd love it because it's funny. It's poignant. It's brilliant. All right. I will. You, you seldom hear me wrong. I will. I will. Yeah, I will okay. Try it. You, you, God, Robert, we're over time. Uh oh. I've been talking to you for over an hour. What a pleasure. Oh, it was for me too. Thank you so much. Oh gosh, I, I'm so happy to hear you. I'm so happy that you're happy. Say hi to your hubby for me, and um, I'm just thrilled. And I'm glad your your parents are still. Okay, and in Ohio? No, I, I've lost oh. my parents. Oh, oh I'm no, sorry. No, oh. no, that's, that's okay. How could you know? Um, my sister still lives in, in Steubenville. So, okay. So I have not been able to see. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, but, tell me. Uh, this will end, and um, I will be celebrating in Steubenville soon. Okay. Well, have a wonderful Merry Christmas and a Happier New Year. And if you're heading over to Steubenville, stop in Pittsburgh and come see me. I will stop in Pittsburgh. We will stay I'll in I'll take you out to your favorite restaurant. What was your favorite restaurant when you were a critic? Um, probably not here anymore. I think actually it used to be, I used to go to Mei Ling, um, Vietnamese restaurant in Homestead. I know exactly where that is. I don't know that it's still there. Do you think it is? Um, I it's don't on 8th Avenue, is. yeah. I don't know that it's run by the same people, but last I heard it was still there. Yeah. We well, there you see go. If they still have my restaurant review up. <laughs> <laughs> it was a rave. It was a rave. 
Robert, thanks so much for doing this. I so appreciate it. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. Okay, time. you. Bye. Bye-bye. And um, as for the rest of you, seriously, happy, uh, happy, no, I said Merry. Merry Christmas and safe Christmas. Be smart. Be careful. And um, I'll see you again uh, on Monday. And um, I'm going to try to wrangle Ms. Wigan into uh, maybe coming on, on 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 Wednesday if she's free to, so that we don't have to have the last show of the of the year be about all this horror. Um, so anyway, that's it for me. I'm just sitting here by my phone waiting for the news of whether or not uh, Trump has gotten around to pardoning me. Hope you stay safe. Okay. Thank you. See you Monday. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.